Hi everyone, it's Sheila here. If you're enjoying what we do here at Potheads Who Read, we would love if you would take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite listening platform. Remember, five stars will go a long way. Hey Josie, did you ever spy on your sisters when you were a little girl? Of course, I'm the youngest of three. I was spying on everything. <laughs> did you ever spy on your brother, Sheila? Uh, no. Why would I do a thing like that? Okay, of course. Of course I spied on him. That's what little sisters do. Exactly. So, did you ever want to be a spy when you grew up? I wanted to play a spy when I grew up. This will be great for our discussion of Breaking Cover, My Secret Life in the CIA, and what it taught me about what's worth fighting for by Michelle Rigby Assad. Hi, everybody. Hi. Welcome to Pothead to Read. Pothead to Read. This is going to be... Interesting. Very interesting episode. We we started recording much later than we intended to. Yes. So we're tired and Josie's like silly. I'm very silly. I've been like this sillier than normal. normal. (laughs) (laughs) I've been like this all weekend and I've been having a problem saying certain words and I don't know what words they are. We'll just see how they come out of my mouth and if I have a problem with it in that moment. The words are not hard words that she's trying to say. Oh, it's no, like not at all. C or can. <laughs> no, I, look, I just added the word C where oh. there wasn't that word. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's yeah. fine. We'll get it together. We are pro- professionals. See, I just did it. <laughs> professionals. We are professionals. Sheila, cut that. Cut that out. Just kidding. Maybe not. Um, it was maybe a little too funny to not take out. We'll see. Uh, maybe. We'll see if it hits the editing floor. Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Life's been crazy in this new new year. Yeah. Yeah. It's been not as crazy, but still crazy. As, right. It's been, like, hectic. Yeah. It's like yeah. a lot going on. I was at work the other day and they were like, yeah, you realize it's already mid-February. I don't know what happened to our our year. Yeah, like what happened to January? It's, I don't know what happened to January. It disappeared real fast. And I looked at people, at my coworkers who were like, you realize it's already mid-February. And I was like, I get that conceptually, but... <laughs> No, I don't get that. It's already mid-February. It just doesn't feel like it. It does not. It has. It's been a busy... I mean, for me, like, life with PTA has slowed down a little bit. It's not like it was, but it's still been kind of busy. And then my husband got promoted, and so we had that. And then um, we finally got some renters into our house, so we were finishing up and doing some stuff for that, so it was just kind of like, bam, 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 bam. Oh, and like then you I, had a lot of big stuff. I, I did, and then I had the, um, 
because I have a book club that I kind of, oh, I have book club that I run too, you know, on top of book club that I run, I know two authors originally. And then like, I'm kind of like an author collector or something. (laughs) I, I don't know. But so last year we did an author event for our book club with these, my two friends. They all loved it. They all, all the book club members wanted to do it again and so we did it again this year and like this year they're like well let's find some new authors I was like oh I know one there's a children's author and then I was like oh and then there's my friend Betsy she 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 did a she's an artist but she basically did like a coffee table book of her work and I was like hey Betsy you're an author you may not think you are but you are (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I found like two more authors and so we ended up having six authors and it, the event turned out really well everybody had a lot of fun each one brought a different little thing to the the event and that was on Wednesday um, February 12th so like I was planning that and like getting everybody together and then we had cupcakes with mom at at school and we had like 600 moms and their small children coming to school and having cupcakes. And that was all in like one week. And then the renters moved in. So it's, it's been like crazy. Oh, and on top of that, last week was midterms for me. Mm, so, you know, just a small thing, just, you know, but I passed it. Yay. So. It's life, but yeah, it, it was it was crazy. And then, so I have a funny story about what happened to me on Friday, because I really haven't gone grocery shopping in like maybe two weeks. I don't know. Like we're just we're surviving somehow. And um, I had bought Lunchables earlier in the week for Dash, and but I didn't buy five. I don't know why I didn't buy five, but I didn't buy five. Because I thought I was going to go to the store and buy, like, bread and Mm -hmm. make a decent lunch. And Friday morning, I was like, do you want mac and cheese or nuggets? Because I was going to stick them in his little thermos thingamajig. And he's like, you don't have a Lunchable? I want a Lunchable. And I was like, fine. It's not a busy morning at the school. I'll run over to the little convenience store that's just down the street after I drop you off and buy you a new Lunchable and put it in your lunchbox. I forgot. <laughs> and I we he gets home off the bus. We're doing stuff at the house. We're getting ready to go see Eric or go to the, the rental, finish up some stuff at the rental with Eric. And we're in the car and he says something about his lunch and I realize he did not have his lunchable. Now my child did not starve. Okay. He did. I did not, he did not not have anything I put in his lunchbox. I just had to go get the lunchable, which I didn't do, which had the better food in it, but he had an applesauce, a milk and a little W heart cupcake. <laughs> Real healthy. The best lunch. Apple or applesauce and milk. That's fine. He but he could have also gone to the hot lunch line. He did not. 
And so I go, Dash, I'm so sorry. I'm a bad mommy. He's like, Mom, you're not a bad mom. You're a terrible mom. (laughs) 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 And I know he was trying to make me feel better. And I mean, I laughed about it because it was really funny because he just didn't realize that like, Terrible's Terrible. worse than mad. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and he was trying to make me feel better. Like, it, you know, like his his tone wasn't horrible. It was just, it was like I like I I said it. You're not a bad mom, because like when he first said that, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you're a terrible mom. <laughs> I kept laughing from the mouths of babes. It's really funny because yeah. Jen, my my best friend Jen. Her daughter is about Dash's age. She's like, what, like 10 months younger than Dash? They're like, what? Well, so that makes it like a year. They're not far yeah, apart. In age. They're not far apart, yeah. But um, she, like, Jen was texting me the other day and she was like, oh my gosh, I have to tell you what Olivia said. And I was like, this is going to be so good. Because mm-hmm. Olivia just takes things very literally. And yeah, it's so does Dash. So it's like the best. And she was like, so we were, they have um like a little tiny basement with like their house or whatever. And yeah. she's like, we were cleaning out the basement and we were like switching around some furniture, like some of the small stuff. And she's like, we brought up the, a little table and Jen didn't think anything of it. And then out of nowhere, Olivia, we, Illinois had a state holiday, so they were all home on Wednesday and Olivia was like, mom, 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 guess what? You can drink coffee in the living room now. (laughs) And Jen got really confused because she drinks coffee in the living room every single day. Right. And she was like, what? Mm -hmm. And Olivia's just like, yeah, mom, because now we have a coffee table. You can drink coffee in the (laughs) living room finally. But it was like... It was so funny. I was cracking up. I was like, oh, my gosh. I just love how literal she is. Because in her head, like, Jen just has never drank coffee in the living room up to this point. But now she could because they had a coffee table. Kids are hilarious. Our coffee table, well, when we were in Virginia, it was a train table. And now it's his, like, homework table. So, him, it's just an exploration table. It's just Dash's table. <laughs> Dash's table. Nobody else's. Doesn't yeah. matter. But yeah, kids are hilarious. But when I told Eric that, he and I laughed. And I had tears coming out of my eyes. And I'm pretty sure Eric might have had tears coming out of his eyes. But we were driving. Or he was driving. Mm. So he was probably trying to be like, not trying to kill us. But it was, I mean, you're a terrible mom. That's so funny. I just can't wait to tell you that more. (laughs) And I'll just be like, well, you know what Dash said? You're a terrible mom. (laughs) I love you. And I'm pretty, and I think he even said, like, I love you, mom. You're a terrible mom, but I love you. Thanks. (laughs) That sounds exactly like Dash. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. I've been doing all of that, and I have not really been doing anything. I've been working, like always. I mean, our listeners have been with us for a year. They know I work a lot. (laughs) Um, 
so I've been working actually like trying not to work too hard and find some balance but with that I've like crazy maxed out my schedule with things to do so I took up kickboxing so I kickbox like three to four times a week now and then Andy and I decided we needed to get back into some writing and being creative so when Sheila goes to college Andy and I that. (laughs) Our homes, respectively, quiet by ourselves, shut-ins, writing, Um, which we've only done that for a couple weeks, but we just came up with it a couple weeks ago, so um, we've been doing that, both of us together, and then I start recreational volleyball this coming week, so I'll be doing that also. You know what you haven't done in a while? What? Is travel for work. I haven't traveled for work in a while. We were actually not really on like a travel ban, but kind of on a um, let's focus on the region we're in. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we, I haven't traveled for work. I haven't. Well, I say I haven't traveled in a while. I just went to South Dakota at the end of the year. But that yeah. was, like, more we of a family yeah, vacation. For work, for work, I haven't traveled since last spring. Because, like, uh, last year at this time you were... I was in Boca. I was in Florida for a Florida couple of weeks. Yeah. A lot. So I, it was just something yeah. that, like, I was like, oh, you know what you haven't done? We haven't done hotel podcasting. Oh, we haven't fought with the Wi-Fi in the hotel or with the bad windstorms with the hotel Wi-Fi or, hey, we can't record this now because I can't get internet. So let's try again tomorrow. Yeah, we haven't done any of that. Yay. I know we haven't done that in a while. I actually think the last time we did that, though, was late last spring, early summer. You traveled and we recorded. When I went to, we tried to record in Wyoming and for some reason I just, we had a hard time at my folks' house. Was that before or after you had your business trip? Because we did record in the hotel. I think that was before you. Oh, yeah. No, that was, uh, so when I, that was when we actually did the author event. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, so that one was. So that was, that was before, that was in like May, I think. No, that was in September. So it was after I went to Wyoming. Was it? Yeah. Did we go in September? Mm, I don't remember when I met. (laughs) I think I think it was in August. It, w- it was. It was August or September. You're right. I remember. I I met her in September. I met Michelle in September. I'm pretty sure his was August. It was like late August. Yeah. I was back. That's right. And then I was living vicariously through you. And then it my was, husband yeah. ran our car out of gas. Yeah, it was and, late August. I know because I had to be like, "Can I talk to you?" And you're like, "We're currently pushing our car." <laughs> and I was like, you guys do that a lot because I've been no. with you guys when you've done it. And you're like, we don't really, but your husband I, does it. I don't do it. My husband does it. I don't. I don't know people. Like it's like he doesn't look at the the, the gas gauge. I don't. I don't understand. Like I don't get it. Yeah. Anybody else have this problem with somebody in their family? Is this normal? <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. I feel like it's happening a lot with my family. Sorry, honey. Yeah. I love oh, you. So <laughs> yeah. But so it has happened a lot recently, which 
is weird because I've been with him like 20 years and like the past few years all we do is run out hey hey as you like to remind me we're not young anymore so apparently (laughs) that's the thing that went out of his mind he's like oh yeah we have to get gas shit do I need to like start worrying because he has like is he having like Alzheimer's or something oh no just joking. I don't think that's what it is. I don't think that's what it is. Too either. much. We have too much on our minds. Probably. Too much going on, like always. Yeah, so how about a really quick Harry Potter fact? Fabulous. Actually, this week it's not really a fact. It's a quote. But it works well with this. It does work well with this. And I actually found this post or this quote on Pinterest and it came from a page on Instagram where it got uh, reposted. And I believe it's by Daily Pottered. But this is a nice little quote from Tom Felton, the nicest guy, nothing like Draco. And this is what he has to say. Ralph's a terrifying man in such a pleasant way. The more friendly he is to you dressed as Voldemort, the more it freaks you out. He'll be talking to you, and then they roll cameras, and he'll look at you like he's going to kill you. Mm. Mm. Action. I feel like that would be completely terrifying, because afterwards, if you if you were, like, a method actor or something like that, you wouldn't be able to, like, pull out of that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so that's a little Harry Potter coming at you. And now for the main event, what we all came here to discuss. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We are going to discuss Breaking Cover by Michelle Rigby Assad. Um, so, yeah. So how about I read the back of this and then Sheila can tell us why she picked this. Okie dokie. Okay, Smokey. where I'm at all right and this is what the book so this is actually coming from the book cover the back um yeah from the back of the actual physical book which we pleasantly have because of Sheila and our both of us have signed copies not that you can see it but <laughs> she's holding it up so I can see it and it looks just like mine <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> okay Um, The CIA is looking for walking contradictions. You must keep secrets, but skillfully persuade others to tell you theirs. You have to love your country, but willingly leave it behind for dangerous operations around the world. You need to live a double life, but be trustworthy enough to carry out the nation's most sensitive tasks. Michelle Rigby Assad was one of those people. Working undercover for the CIA, she served in treacherous areas throughout the Middle East, a woman leading some of the most highly skilled operatives on the planet. The threats were real, the missions were perilous, and deep inside, Michelle wondered, could she really do this job? Was she in the right place at the right time, or had she misunderstood her life's calling? Did she have what it would take to survive? All right. So I picked this book because, well, one, we both had it, so it was easily <laughs> accessible. It was also something that we'd been talking about reading and, like, when we wanted to to add it to our rotation. Our rotation. Yeah. And um, 
so we knew it was always there, but I was really excited about when I had met her in September, reading this book and reading her story, because being a female and then being in like a CIA operative in in the Middle East, working with terrorists and stuff like in a, in cultures that don't really think highly of women or don't think of them as someone that can get anything done. I just wanted to hear her story or finish hearing her story. Like Mm -hmm. she spoke about her story, but like all the little bits like that she spoke at her event, there's a little bit more explanation that she talked about at her event that I was at, but I didn't have the whole story like I had here. Yeah. So, I was I just wanted to I wanted to read and know more the rest of her her story. And I do follow her on Facebook. If you if you want to follow her, she's on Facebook. She has a Facebook page and it's really interesting, especially when we were having this stuff happening at the very beginning of the year with Iran. She was um giving her a professional opinion on on kind of what was going on. So, it's interesting. To interject really quickly, I do mm-hmm. remember two things. Yeah. I do remember you saying that that was a reason why you also wanted to read this book at this time was because yeah. of the stuff. Yeah. So I want right. to say that because that was that was the big thing that both of I us. I forgot about I mean, that. <laughs> no, it's fine. That's why I'm here to remind you. Thank you, friend. You're a terrible I'm a terrible podcast podcaster. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not bad, I'm, just terrible. You're a terrible <laughs> podcaster. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, I just wanted to say that because I think we both felt the same way about that because we had been talking about it before we actually recorded our last episode, obviously, because of stuff going on with your family and families around you. Yeah. And we were like, this sounds like a great time to read this. Right. And two, I mean, technically, this is your pick because it's your month, but I do feel like we both were equally as excited to read this, and there was zero twisting of the arm to be like, what do you think about reading this? Right. And I think we have a couple books that, like, up our sleeves where we both feel that way, where it's like, technically, it's going to be one of our picks, but it's, like, not. It's a very much a mutual pick. So I was excited when you I was really excited when you were like, I think this is what I'm thinking, because I was like, yeah, I think this will be a really good one. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to give us a 30 second ish plot line? Okay. No, I don't know why this always stresses me out. It really does. And you, because you want to give a lot of detail and then you don't want to give all the detail because we're reading. I will, I'll jump, I'll I'll interject really quickly because Sheila and I talked about the plot line beforehand. And the the book does jump around a little bit. So it's kind of difficult to give a straightforward plot line because it goes back and forth a little bit bit with like three years. And there's, and there's a lot of traveling. So it's kind of, yeah. And it's over, like, a 15-year period, roughly? Yes. Even maybe a little bit longer. A little bit longer than that, because she was a little tiny bit into her high school years. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, not a lot. Not a lot, but a little, little bit. I yeah. feel like the bulk of it's definitely probably, like, 15 years. Yeah, because, um, let's see here. 
There's one thing I wanted, I, I, I remember reading today. So this went to print in May of 2017. So almost, um, almost 17 years because she, or it was 16 years because she got started in 2000, 2001. Yeah. Something like that. Um, 2002, she was hired by the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like January. Oh yeah. She, she started the process in 2001. Well, yeah. So yeah, to the so right around 9/11, I believe is when she the, and that was info that wasn't really in the book, but that's what she told us at the event. She said that like the day of or the next day she she was called and asked to be to join the CIA. Yeah. So, um, or she was hired by them. So, um, this starts off with her doing an interview with her husband with a family in um, Iraq. And it's a Christian family. And all of a sudden, the daughter of the Christian family is like, my fiancé wants to come with me. And they start to look into the fiancé. And he's maybe not what he seems. And they have to do more investigation. And then it goes back to, and then like we're going, and that's like, you know, 2015-ish time frame, roughly, give or take. And then we're going way back to late 90s when she's kind of met her husband, when she has um, started going to college. And she's talking about all the things that she's done um, she she's traveled to the Middle East a lot. She met her husband in Florida. He's from Egypt, but Christian. His family is Christian, and they they came to America to not be persecuted. And they end up getting married, and then moving up to the D.C. area because they're like, we're gonna have these big amazing jobs and. It was hard. They had a hard time finding jobs. He got one finally, and then she was just kind of like trying to find something that, or just trying to get hired. She starts taking classes in Arabic and whatnot. She goes to a CIA meeting, a hiring meeting. She starts going through the process. She gets hired, and then they are like, sorry, we don't want you anymore. And so she's really disappointed. And then a little while later, she, her husband is hired by the CIA. And then they find out his wife has the same, like, focus that he has. And they're like, oh, we want her too. So then they hire her again, but in a different type of CIA position, which is the CIA agent. Whereas before, the other one was like, I don't know, pencil pusher? I'm not yeah, right. it was like an administration. <laughs> like pencil pusher, maybe H&R, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they, she she talks about her training, and then they get sent to their first duty station, essentially. It's very much kind of like the military, where like they move you every two or three years, it seems like. And they're there like two or three years, and then they go back home they're home for like a couple weeks and then they go to their new duty station they're there a few months and then they get the call of oh we need you in Iraq and they're in Iraq when it's a really dangerous time in Iraq it was like 2006 2007 
And for us, for my family, that was the Fallujah, the Fallujah intensive time, um, which is more 2005, 2006. But my husband was there in 2005, 2006. And um, so she's there for like a year or two with her husband and they're doing interviews and, you know, they're just, they're doing all sorts of stuff, finding, trying to get info from the good guys, from the bad guys, from the guys that are probably still bad guys, but they just want your money. Um, so they're going to give you the info. And then they leave Iraq and then they end up, they stay with the CIA about 10 years and they get out and they just kind of try to figure out what to do and they end up finding people, connections, and they find people that where they are helping Christian people in the Middle East that are being persecuted and finding ways to get them back or to get them in, not back, I was going to say back home, but that's not what I meant to say. <laughs> to get, Sanctuary. To get, to get them sanctuary because they were being, you know, persecuted in the Middle East where they, you know, they had lived their whole lives. And then, so they, they were doing that, helping people. And they ended up helping like 149 people get to Slovakia. And it's just kind of her journey through the whole thing. Lots of info in there. A lot of really great info. Yes. Good job. Thanks. It was longer than 30 seconds. That was way longer than 30 seconds, but I'm it's really, okay. I'm really bad at the 30 second <laughs> thing. I'm really bad at the one minute thing. <laughs> That's okay. It. No, that was good, though. I it was a good, it. like we said, it flip-flops a, ba- a lot, like, back in time and, like, current and da-da-da. So that's, I mean, that's a good straight through line of, like, what it's actually about is her time in each of those places and then where she's at currently. So my initial impressions of this okay. book. Are you ready, Sheila? Go. Mine or yours? You said mine, so I thought you were going to Mine. Me personally. Um, I really didn't know what to expect from this book. Mm-hmm. I was excited to read it. Right. And honestly, it just did not, it did not disappoint. Yeah. At all. I sat, so I... <laughs> Had the misfortune and luxury of (laughs) (laughs) taking a friend who was sick really bad, like with the flu and stuff like that, to the ER. And it was on a night that the Chicago ERs were packed. And we ended up ultimately finding out that one ER was actually turning people away because they were so backed up and had so many people. So I literally spent about... 13 hours in the ER waiting and most of that was waiting so I didn't want to miss my friend's name being called so I let her kind of sleep next to me and I watched all of our stuff and I read the book so I actually had the luxury of like sitting and reading it in one sitting and it wasn't hard at all since since I read this book I've had a couple random days off that have been really nice because I haven't had anything planned 
and I've sat down with a couple books and there was actually one book that I got about 30 or 40 pages into it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. this is not what I thought it was going to be. And I literally put the book down and I haven't picked it back up. And this book was a page turner the whole time. And it was was so funny. My friend who was sick, she is not a reader. She doesn't get it. She's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but she saw me and she's like, you're still reading? And I go, well, yeah, there's nothing better to do. So I'm reading. And I was like, I'm about halfway through it. She's like, oh, okay. And then there was like, ultimately, I think it was about like 3.30 in the morning. I finished the book. Yeah. And I stopped reading. And then my phone died, so I couldn't even Uh, read, like, a book on my Kindle app. Or it wasn't dead, but it was, like, almost dead. And, like, all this stuff. So then I just had to sit there and kind of entertain myself and people watch. And she just kind of, like, woke up and was like, what time is it? I was like, oh, it's about 4.30. And she was like, oh, where's your book? You stopped reading? And I go, no, I finished it. And she was like, you read a whole book tonight? And I go... Yeah, and I go, but to be fair, it was really good, and I couldn't stop reading it, so that definitely aided in it, and I immediately, I'm going to jump ahead, because this is the thing that we always do at the very end when we talk about the book, but I have to say it now, because this is literally how much I love the book. I immediately that day started suggesting this book to people to read, and I have And I've continued to tell people that they need to check this book out. And I've been telling a lot of my coworkers who are also female, oh, my gosh, you need to read this book. It's so good. Yeah. And I don't know if any of them have read it. I doubt it because I feel like most of them would have been like, oh, I read the book you told me about. But I immediately started recommending it to people. Yeah. It It was just so... It was so well written. It was very thoughtful. It was entertaining. It was a lot of information thrown at you, but I felt like it was done in a very delicate matter. Right. It was um, candid too. Like Yeah, very candid. You felt like um, you were like the real her was there cuz we read Dreaming in German. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but like I felt like that one was just telling her story. Um, right. Dreaming and Drum was just telling her story where I felt like we really got to know Michelle in Breaking Cover. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I absolutely know what you mean. And then I just, well, you just said that. It's really funny that we've Sorry. now done two memoirs and they were both women and that's how we started our year. Woo-hoo. That's really funny to me. I like it. I like this the trend. The year of women. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, it was just like really interesting to also see like a women's perspective of it and a women's perspective of everything where she had to interject herself in a very male dominated part of the world, a very male dominated business, a very male dominated like culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was also kind of interesting because, you know, I've, I've traveled to Egypt, I've traveled to Dubai, and neither one of those places are anywhere that she was, like, dealing with. Um, although she did have, she did talk about an incident that she had in Egypt, and it just made me laugh so hard. Because right. it just brought up memories from when my friends and I went to Egypt for work, and, like, our experiences talking to people. And it just was, like, really fun to kind of have those memories 
come back and give a little perspective of those. So I just thought it was really well done and also just like very relatable because I'm not in the CIA and I was like, oh, so you've had to deal with stuff that we've all had to deal with. Oh, yeah. Being professional women or just women in general. And you're like, oh, okay. This so it's to in, everybody. You're it's like, oh, so, exactly. You're like, oh, so this happens to every female. Got it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I also really enjoyed the book. So like and like I had said earlier, I was really excited to read it because I'd seen her speak. Mm-hmm. So I was really excited about it. Um when I I read it, I loved it. There were parts that were hard, especially when she was in Iraq, because um, like I I mentioned earlier, my husband was deployed in 2005, 2006 for a year over there. There may have been a little overlap with her and him because she she also got to Iraq in 2006, but she never said what month or anything. She just said 2006. But I know she was there in 2007, which we weren't. My husband wasn't there it was a really deadly time over there. Yeah. I remember, so my husband, he was deployed. We were in 29 Palms. He wasn't deployed with a unit from 29 Palms. He was deployed with a unit from Camp Lejeune, which happens. Sometimes they pull people and put them in different units across country or whatever. So that happened. But... Because I was still in 29 Palms on the night, the nightly news, because I used to watch the, I say I used to watch, I don't watch it anymore because we cut cable, but I used <laughs> to watch the nightly news because we had cable. And I just remember like so many times it would be 30 Marines from 29 Palms killed, 10 Marines from 29 Palms killed, 15, 12 five like these numbers just kept coming out like the whole year my husband was gone and there's two things that I had to remember with that one I was like I would know by now Mm -hmm. if that was my husband and two I was like they said 29 palms not Camp Lejeune yeah but it was really hard because we're stationed in 29 palms so like, it was something that, like, I had to, like, mentally put in my head, like, I I would know by now. I would have had that knock at my door. And he's technically would be considered Camp Lejeune because of the unit he was with. Well, also, I think, to sorry to interject no, real quick. Fine. I think it also makes it hard because even though he was out of Camp Lejeune, it... The news reports, like, put it in your backyard. It put it right there. Yeah. So even though I mean, it I was had... 29 Palms and not Camp Lejeune and you would have known, it's still like, oh, like, there's people next door to me who are being affected by this. Yeah, like, my, yeah. Friends, my friends lost friends, you know. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a really difficult time. Like, I remember... 29 Palms got really hit hard that year with um, casualties, like more than more than some. Like I remember one of them was like 30 some Marines and they were all going to a I think it was a promotion ceremony. 
and somehow the insurgents or whoever heard about it and or they knew and they the guys weren't ready like the marines weren't you know like it it was just like the guys were there to celebrate somebody and a lot of them ended up dying because of um that not because of the promotion but because somehow somebody else had found out that, yeah, that they was just caught happen. them off guard yeah and um it, it but it was really a dangerous time so like reading that part like our life was really connected to that also i mean she lived it kind of like my husband lived it but mm-hmm. um and I lived it in a different sense. I probably lived it like her family lived it, where um, you didn't know when the next time you were going to get an email or the next time you were going to get a phone call. I remember one time, it was like, I think it was the beginning of December, and he calls me, and he's like, so I don't know when I'm going to call you again. I was like, okay. He's like, because we're going to be out for a while. And I was like, all right. And that's all I can tell you, because... Loose lips sink ships, but mm-hmm. but it was just like he's like I love you. I'll talk to you later. I should be back before Christmas. Like <laughs> yeah, you know. And, and so like you're sitting here like just waiting for that phone call before Christmas to hear from him again. That was a tough year because of how intense everything was. And like Eric has some crazy stories from then also. And um, he was in Ramadi. And he has just some crazy, just some some war stories. And he he also another thing for him was he worked on a MIT team, which is I'm I don't remember what it all stands for. <laughs> um, I think it's MTT. It's like military tactical training or something like that. But basically, he was training the Iraqis. And mm. that he was training, they were training the Iraqi soldiers how to, you know, to be soldiers. I mean, not that they didn't know, but their whole world, you know, they, they were getting new people so that they'd never been trained before. So they, my husband's group was training them. Um, and then they also dealt a lot with um, contractors, like local Iraqi contractors, not you know, American contractors, which they did have over there, but they dealt more with the Iraqi ones. But one of the stories was he told me, he's like, so yeah, we had this guy that we basically had to go like get him out of trouble. Like some Iraqi contractor. He got basically taken by somebody. But you know, like those are some of his stories. He has another one where like, there's this road, and then there was this corner on it, and it was called, or it was known as the most bombed corner of Ramadi. They were, like, in a 710 truck, which is this really big truck. And because the trucks were not, they didn't have the money, the trucks didn't have, like, proper, like, bulletproof gear, so they had these big, giant Kevlar blankets that they would put over the doors and these blankets are heavy so it would make the door not shut 
Mm-hmm. And so they're driving and they're like going like 60 some miles per hour down this road. And the guy driving takes the turn or the curve. And my husband went flying out the door. <laughs> and he's hanging on to the door. He like catches the door. And he's like flopping around in the wind, I guess. Oh my hanging gosh. on to the door. And then the guy sees that his his boss is hanging out the door. <laughs> so he like swerves a little the door swings in and Eric gets back in and <laughs> oh my god and the, the driver's like uh you okay sir and he's like yeah how about next time you take that turn a little slower <laughs> <laughs> um I can see Eric just saying that too um and it's just like like and that's like a funny story but it's like a terrifying story right like, because like what if he would have fallen out like yeah and it's the yeah. most and like and like we said it's the like the reason they would take that turn so fast maybe not as fast as that guy was taking it that time but they they took it fast is because it was constantly being bombed or attacked. So there's just so many things like some of her, her stories. I was like, it was hitting home for me where like, I was like, Oh, I, I get it. I, or I kind of get it. You know, like I remember, I remember our, my, I was remembering like some of my feelings from 15 years ago from when all that was going on. Yeah. It's just being, like a typical American like I kind of know what was going on I knew probably more because of you and even then like I knew even less than what you were than what you knew which was so minimal but it was like I kept up with the news I kept up with like the stuff happening around and like all of that but like obviously I knew that that was like one of the deadliest years and like just everything about it like I knew a lot of that stuff but to see it from this perspective was kind of just like heart-wrenching a little gut-wrenching yeah and she doesn't ever get very graphic with it Mm -mm. and I do wonder I think part of it's her character like just who she is as a person but I also like, we were kind of joking around, like, what are we going to do for our intro? And I was like, oh, just tell them we can't. Let's just say we can't do much. Or, like, the plot. And we're like, oh, right. we'll just say we can't do much because there's so much redacted. There's so many black lines through the book. There's not. There's, there's a not. Cu- there's, there's a like, couple chapters. There's where... a couple chapters where it's not even that that much is even redacted. It's just, like, where the she place. was at, the year, the time, the place. Like, that stuff was redact- redacted. The rest of it wasn't. So it was just kind of interesting to see it in that point of view also because like when her and her husband had the choice made the choice to leave it wasn't just like okay you're out of the CIA now you're good like they had to make the choice like are we going to live full on civilian are we still going to say stay active like basically in the CIA but like just kind of retire so they could go back cuz those choices too made a huge would make a huge impact on their family and yeah. themselves um yeah so when you leave the CIA you basically leave with no resume 
Yeah. Because you can't put anything, put any of that out there. So you kind of have to end up relying on your contacts that you you had in the past and that you may have made while you were in and they're, you know, like, and that would be like contractors or um, some type of security or something where it's like, you don't need a lot of background. You just kind of need to be like, I know this person, they can vouch for me. (laughs) I can handle security, like this type of stuff. Right. So it was really interesting to see that, you know, for like kind of firsthand, like through her experience, it was yeah. interesting to see that part of me, not that I didn't love her story because I did. And I thought she was amazing, mm-hmm. but she did include her husband enough. That part of me was like, I would love to hear like his version of this time. Yeah. Just because you can tell the two of them have a lot of love for each other mm-hmm. and they were very relieved to be able to work together and well, have, that, even, have that as an option. But yeah. I so mean, like when they were in, when they were in Iraq, I guess just to give some people some background, like they're in Iraq, most of the people there and like they're, they were being bombed multiple times a day like being attacked multiple times a day they'd be working and then they'd have to go to the shelters like exit strategy was major like you had to know there's the closest shelter you had to know and so like they had little they had like little shelter pods like yeah like compound and they were so like you're constantly on edge you're you're constantly you know just waiting for it and high high alert high stress and you know, so many, she's like, I don't know how, like, my coworkers did this because, like, I actually got to go and, like, be with somebody that I love and, you know, had that comfort where a lot of those other, you know, coworkers, you know, you didn't have that comfort. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. All of that. Obviously, the the people that they worked with, Like, most of them knew that they were a married couple, but it wasn't, like, something that was very public. And so if they were working with, like, anybody who they were trying to make insurgents or, like, allies or, like, whatever, like, they couldn't know that they were married. And there was a couple stories that she told where he was, like, she forgot to take off the ring. He forgot to take off the ring. Like, yeah. they couldn't know that they were married. He would tell her, like, this is, like, your Arabic is too clean and, like, formal. Don't speak. Like, I'll do the talking. So I feel like it'd be really interesting to hear his version of the stories. Yeah, just, for sure. Just from the perspective of, like, they can't know she's my wife and I have to protect her, but I have to protect myself. And now I have to kind of in given situations, protect the other person as well. Or, like, it, I think it would be interesting to also kind of get his perspective on it. Yeah, it um, would be. As much as I loved her perspective, I did think that, like, just, like, an Egyptian man working for Amer- the American government, like, that whole kind of, like, storyline and all of it would be would be very interesting. Well, even just, like, now, kind of, like, and she touched on it, but, like, you don't really know, like, his feelings and everything. But, you know, they were an Egyptian family, and they came to the U.S. to, 
to get away from persecution. And not even and, his whole family. Yeah. Like a lot of his family, like the majority of his family, like I think so. his mom, especially like they still lived in Egypt because she ta- she tells a couple stories about yeah. going back to Egypt to meet the family. And they have an incident like at an airport where, I mean, they're, they, they don't let them go. <laughs> they were like in Iraq and they were like in all these crazy places and he gets detained in the Egyptian airport for mm-hmm. like three or hours. four hours. Yeah, like hours. And she's like, I'm about to blow both of our covers because they won't let him out. And it was like a technicality or something on his visa and they were able, he was. But it was almost kind of like they forgot about him, too. Like, they're like, sit down. And then he just sat there. And it's like they never did anything. Like Right. So it it was like the government went to do, like, one thing. And then the Egyptian government just forgot about him. And, but it was just, like, one of those things where even in that moment, it was like, this is the one time we didn't travel together. Why didn't we travel together? We should have traveled together. And so even in that moment, like his panic, her panic, when they finally came together and they both were kind of like finally at the point where they were saying the same thing, where they were like, we're U.S. agents, get him out of there, get himself out of it. So just to be in that situation, like on the daily would be so crazy. And I can't even imagine like what his perspective of that would be because her perspective was like what you said like I was lucky enough to have somebody to go home to who's going through the same thing and understood I think it also should be said that they get reassigned every couple years Sheila you had mentioned that earlier but they usually do like a high intensity like tour yeah. And then they usually get like a nice assignment for a yeah. break. And then they maybe go somewhere else. It's maybe a little bit more intense and then kind of a nice break. Yeah. And her and her husband were put in three of the worst areas yeah. in the Middle East back to back to back. So they were in this high stress for years. Ten years. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like. Okay, I mean, they. she even talks about, like, in your, uh, like, plot line, you said that they were in one spot for a couple months. They went, they were reassigned, and they hadn't even been able to fully unpack. They yeah. had just gotten assigned. Their shipment, their like, house, yeah. Yeah, like, they had just gotten the shipment for their housing. They were, like, getting ready to unpack. They had only been there, like, six to eight weeks, like, yeah. two months. And then they were like, yeah, you're not staying here. You're now going to an even worse place than where you were before. We want you in Iraq. Yeah. And that was one of the sections where there was some redaction. <laughs> yes, that so one was... I, but I yeah. do, I'm like, what place is that that was so nice? Because the first place they were at, I, I still not sure what it was. But, like, the first one, like... They were sick all the time because, like, or, you know, like, she had to wash, like, their fruits and vegetables in bleach because yeah, it, it would, if you didn't, you would be sick. And so when they moved to this other country for a short period of time, she was like, I wasn't sick all the time like I was in the other country. Right. I mean, she doesn't say 
the country that they got moved to Mm -hmm. and then the country they immediately got moved to after those couple months. But when I was reading it, it literally, I literally was like picturing like desert living, washing thing, like everything had to be soaked in bleach or whatever, like so dirty and like desolate to a street, basically like almost like, Paris or like Spain yeah. where it was just like sun was out every single day and they were just like do 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 like birds and like all right. this stuff. It was literally like a Disney movie in my mind like yeah. picturing this like two months and then like back to this desolate war zone that was even worse than the war zone before. Yeah. You know and I yeah it was she just had a lot of like really really good insight and like anecdotes of like her situation. And we mentioned like her Christianity and her husband's Christianity a couple times. And that was one of the things when we went to Egypt that did come back to my mind a little bit, because I do need to say every Egyptian that we came into contact was so nice. Mm -hmm. They were just the best, like, nicest people everywhere we went. When we were in the squares, when we were, like, out anywhere, when we were in the malls, when we were, like, training the staff, like, everybody was so nice. I know we were very lucky with with our experience. I remember having a conversation because we realized that a lot of the Christians – that worked with us had like a tattoo on their wrist Mm. and the Christians are made to get a tattoo of a cross. And it felt so weird to all of us because all of our history lessons, you know, teach us about the Nazis and the star of David. And like, that was just something sewn onto the clothes. And this is like tattooed into their skin and, I just remember one of our trainers that I worked with asking the 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 people that we were training and he just was like, but what if you change your mind? And they were like, change our mind about what? And we were like, well, what if you just decide you don't want to be Christian anymore and you want to be Muslim? And they were like, but why would we do that? And we were like, oh, well, because maybe this the religion just doesn't work for you anymore. And they were like, why, but why wouldn't it work for me? Right. And it was just so normal for them. And all of us with our Western thinking, our first amendment rights and everything, you know, and um, not that everybody that I worked with was from America over there. We had some people from France and London and Canada and Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was like, We, like, all of us were just, like, everybody from the Western countries were just like, but, yeah, but, like, what if you just change your mind? And they were like, change it to what? Right. And we were like, well, what if you just don't want to be Christian anymore? And they were just like, but why? Like, why would I choose that? And it always just reminds me of, like, other things where, like, sometimes, like, I had this conversation about, like, the movie Harriet and some other stuff, like, other movies, because I watched a bunch of, like, the Oscar movie. I actually watched all the Oscar movies for, like, the best pictures and just some other stuff. And the idea of, like, 
some people have the luxury of choice that others don't have. And this came up a lot in Dreaming in German, where it was like they like some families had choices that other families didn't have. And so it was interesting to see her her perspective from a clearly like analytical CIA operative like uh-huh. I'm going to research this type of point of view right to like help these people who were just literally in desperate need or like religious sanctuary yeah. and how it tested her beliefs and limits and it tested her husband's and her and just like I, her extended family too and, like right her extended family and honestly i liked that it created for her a um, sort of messy understanding of what her beliefs are and i say that in the sense of like obviously they weren't messy she had a strong faith but like her questioning and everything it was yeah. just like there was a point in her mind where she was like I mean it says it in the book cover it says it in everything like was she doing the right thing was this the path she was supposed to be on right. this was what she thought her calling was and then it all of a sudden was like is this really my true calling and is this what I need to be doing in life and I like that they show that because she did have that choice around a, pe- a bunch of people who just never even thought to have that choice. Correct. Right. And she was like fighting for their right to, to believe what they have no choice in believing because yeah. they just leave it with everything that they have. Yeah. Uh, it was so, it's so interesting. Yeah. I know we're just no we're both just like stopped and stared at each other because I think we both are just like oh it's just so good so much yeah um and there's a lot in here that's really really interesting trying to think of other things that like really popped out at me you know she was oftentimes like because the informants were usually male her and her husband or her and another CIA agent were like interviewing these these guys mm-hmm. and they just sometimes they just didn't know what to do with her the um the informants yeah some would flirt with her and she knew how to she knew how to work them yeah and I I remember I was like oh I wonder if I could do that because sometimes it's like what I think like we do as servers like when we were at Applebee's <laughs> do you know what I mean like Oh, absolutely. Every single day, I feel like that's what I'm saying is like, there were so many parts of this where I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm like a CIA agent, but not because I'm not a CIA agent. But all the tactics that she was talking about, I'm like, I have absolutely had used those tactics as a female. Yeah. In a club. In the subway car, like, in a taxi cab, on the street, absolutely dealing with people, like, the kitchens at work. Or, I mean, I feel like every female has had to put herself in a situation like this where she had to take a deep breath and be like, 
what am I going to say to give myself the upper hand? I had a manager that I worked with that I had to do that with because it was not a situation like this where the wrong information could get me killed or whatever, or like, but still the wrong um, information could have caused issues. But I mean, I had a manager that I worked with where I immediately, like, as soon as I saw him, I would give him, like, a half hug and be like, hey, what up? And, like, give him a little half hug and then, like, pat his arm because I knew if, like, I had worked with him long enough and found out very quickly that if I didn't do that, he would come up to me and like, physically touch me in a way that was, like, not appropriate, but not anything that I could, like, prove or not be a he said, she said situation. Mm. And it was one of those things where I would very much have to be, like, okay, this is gonna happen. Okay. Have I been working with him all day? What mood is he in right now? Okay, I have to do this to get to this point so I can just get straight to work. Okay, I have to do this to do this. And it like ultimately I ended up finding out that I was not the only person who had to do that. But I was one of but I was one of the only people who like took that initiative from the very beginning out of his hands and in my own hands to kind of like rule the situation. And I remember even telling a girl, because she was like, oh, my gosh, this manager came up behind me and, like, hugged me. It was weird. And he was like, you didn't say hello to me when you walked in. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I always give, like, a half-hug pat whenever I see him. And they were like, oh, yeah, I noticed you do that. And I go, yeah, because then he won't, like, touch me in a way I don't like. It's crazy. So it's... It's just really, it was interesting to see her perspective of it because she had to do it in a different language. For sure. She had to do it in oftentimes very witty, straightforward, no-nonsense way. Also in a different language. Yes. I think my favorite was the one guy where she walked in and she even says, she's like, I knew walking into this that this was a really tough informant. Yep. They had been trying to get through to him for, like, weeks. Yeah. And he, everything that he had displayed in any of the case files were, like, I mean, they had been talking to him for months. They had been trying to get certain information from him for weeks. Right. And then, so they had built up all these case files. And she's, like, reading everything that I read. She's, like, I knew immediately that he was going to size me up. Mm-hmm. He was going to make some derogatory comment about her body and being female and American because yeah. even though she was like respectful of their country with and like conservative with how he yeah. dressed, she dressed and everything. She wasn't. She was still. She was traditional. She yeah. She wasn't a Muslim female wearing like all the traditional stuff. She was showing her body. She was showing her face, her hair, like whatever. So she knew she had to make beat basically beat him to the punch of like making the female comment and she was like I knew if I could get him in like the first 10 minutes that she would basically kind of have him hooked yeah and 
she was like, I don't always go in and speak Arabic right away to them. But she's like, I knew with him I had to. And so she, I mean, this is a, she's like this intelligent female and she's literally just making tactics on like, how do I combat being a female? And she's, she also talked about like how like just reading people's um, body language, Mm -hmm. like she could tell right away, oh, this is what I need to do now, or this Mm -hmm. is what I need to try to do now, or this is what I need to say, or they're lying. Um, Yeah. And part of it, you know, part of it was some of it like was natural instinct, something that she'd always was able to do. And then obviously the CIA training helped her hone in on those skills. Right. Absolutely. Because even... Even her training, like her training officer that she had to check in with every day, Mm. never once looked at her. He always looked at the male that who was her partner. He He never once looked at her for months. Never looked at her. Her partner dropped out and then he was forced to look at her because she was the only person in the room he was talking to. It was, I would have been so hard. I would have been like. Is there something wrong with me? Like she even after what was it? Like after a week or less than a week, she even yeah. looked at her partner and was like, That's I'm wrong. not crazy, am I? Like he's not talking yeah. to me. And he was like, yeah. No, he's no, totally he's not talking to you. Totally not looking at you or talking to you. Right. Yeah. And like she earned his kind of respect, but he still didn't really because he was kind of like old school CIA. Yeah. Her trainer guy. And it was just kind of like he just didn't he was like, this isn't a place for women. Women shouldn't be doing these jobs. And I mean, and that was in like 2002 when she was doing her training. 2002. I mean, I know that was 18 years ago, but. (laughs) Right. But it was still 2002. It wasn't like it was 1890. Or even like. 1919 or 1920 or 1902. Or 1950. Or 70s. Or like what? It just seems crazy. All of it seems crazy. crazy. Um, Well, yeah, but I mean, it was her having to use her instinct, her like feminine instinct to say like, I believe this person or don't believe this person. And she, it was like during a practice round where she did something and she technically didn't follow like the protocol they wanted to, but she was able to get all of the information she needed to because she changed her approach because as a female, the other approach just wasn't working. Well, the approach was her trainer had told it was dumb he had told he had told the guy or the person that she was supposed to meet during her training that I don't remember exactly but basically he was like do this and so that person did it like her training informant did it but her trainer did that to try to purposely make her fail yeah it wasn't it wasn't to make her better. Oh yeah, it was absolutely it, to make her fail. He's like, Well, she's not gonna be able to get through this. And she did. Yeah. Like and so like in, intuitively she figured out how to fix the problem. So 
total side note, but very related. <laughs> I've I've been listening to a different podcast, um, The Murder Squad with mm-hmm. Billy Jensen and Paul Holes. And they've been doing, like, this series of, like, winter distractions in between their season one and season two. And so they've just been, like, doing, like, interesting, like, cases or talking about certain things or, like, whatever. And they had an episode where they were talking about the staircase case, like, with the the Um, author in North Carolina said the owl, like, not him, but they said, like, the owl knocked his wife down or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about, like, his 911 call and, like, some of his testimony. And Karen Kilgariff was like, I never believed it. I don't believe it. This is why. And she, like, was bringing some of her acting technique into it. And she was like, I think that's where I got it from. And then Georgia was like, well, no, I didn't believe him either because, you know, of A, B, and C. And they were like, oh, my gosh, that's what it is. And Paul Holes even said, he was like, there is an advantage to having women on investigative teams or operative teams or whatever, and they will purposely put women in, like, an investigation room, like some of the female officers, Uh because he was like, there's an intuition that women have instinctively. Right. And he was like, it's happened in so many cases. He was like, I absolutely take that perspective into account because there's something women have innately in them and they, it works for them in this profession because they're able to kind of see through the crap basically. Yeah. And Karen and Georgia both were kind of like laughing and made a joke about it, but it's so true. And she, they were just like, Oh no, that's years and years of training from our childhood because you have to deal with sleazeball men all the time. All the time. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's actually probably what it is. <laughs> but, it, it, I, mean, I mean, yeah, it's, growing it, up. But it's and... just like one of those things where it's like the women's intuition and the women's in, the the female instinct is it's a real thing. Yeah. And there's a reason why. I mean, I do think people are innately born with a higher skills, intuition yeah. than others. Uh, not to like toot my own horn, but no, She's I'm just kidding. Your own horn. <laughs> I, I totally am. No, but I mean, my mom said that about me as a child. She was like, you were a baby and a kid who went to everyone. I was not shy. I'm obviously still not very shy. <laughs> and she was like, if there was somebody you didn't go to, I would stay away from them, too. She's like, I learned to trust your instinct when you were a child and a baby. Because she's like, you went to everyone. If you didn't go to certain people, she's like, I knew there was a reason. Yeah. And so I do think some people are born with it more than even others. But I do think females have kind of a sixth sense for that. Or or we learn to use it more. Look at it and listen to it more. Well, we have to... I mean, we can't... We have to watch out for ourselves. Or walk into a mall or sit at a bus stop or ride a bus or drive their own car or talk to a stranger. Do anything without having to to practice that. Well, how many times have we, when we, like, worked at Applebee's and we were closing, like, we all left together? Yeah. Like, we all walked to our cars together. 
Yeah, absolutely. You still, I mean, that was 20 years ago that we did that. Women are still doing that today. They're still walking, like, they're either they they walk in groups or if it, if there's a manager that's closing with them at, at the end of the night when it's dark out, their managers are walking them. Like, after closing hours, I'm talking about. Yeah. There's usually somebody walking with you because it's not safe. Right. And, you know, that's just part of it. Like, we are using our intuition. Like, people follow you. You know, like, I've been followed at the mall. You know, one time I was like, there's this guy following us. And my friend was like, no, he's not. And I'm like, okay, let's go into this store. We went into that store, and it was a store he shouldn't have gone into because it was, like, I don't know, like, a a female's. It was probably, like, Christina's or whatever, Maurice's or Christina's or something like that. Yeah, one of the, like, the the stores that had all-female clothes, right? Like, yes, he could have been going in there buying something, but we left, he left. yeah. And we did it a few times, and she's like, Sheila, and I'm, I mean, I'm, like, 13, 14, and I'm, like, I don't like this. Like, luckily, the mall was busy, and, like, I don't know, like, we were able to, like, feel a little bit more safe. Now, yeah. what, what had I should have done when I was 14 when this happened? I should have gone to mall security. <laughs> right. But I didn't. <laughs> You didn't, but also... But I kept my eyes out. Like, my friend, right. she was kind of oblivious to it. But me, I kept our eyes, our eyes out. And another time, when we were in Minnesota, right after that car accident we saw. Mm-hmm. So Josie's, like, crazy upset. Yeah. And the... Our group is like, well, let's still go to the club. I'm like, this is not a good idea. Josie's crying. They're like, it'll make her feel better. And I'm like, no, it won't. She just saw some guy probably get killed. And Well, yeah. And, I mean, because we were all standing in a row. Right. Right. But, like, I was, like, on the, like, I was the one, like, open on, like the guy cut yeah. in front of me who got cut like because yeah, I was like I was the one on the end basically and he yeah. like cut me off because we were all literally about to step off the sidewalk it was so Josie had, yeah like, I a was like I was like oh my gosh yeah Josie I was had, like so a near death experience practically her life flashed before her eyes at 18 19 years old yeah and so we're like the guys are trying to like talk us it like so we start walking to this um, club or whatever that they don't even know where it's at, and we're walking and Josie's crying and all of a sudden this man came up to us I'm pretty sure he was homeless and he was like, oh hey pretty girl what's wrong like can I do something to make you feel better and I was like nope we're good yeah she. She's going to be okay. And he's like, here, let me help you. Let me make. And he's all trying to, like, grab her. And I was like, no. I know. And I was like, no. Like, And, like, our away. and our friend, like, I, I think, like, Aaron Wood was like, no, don't. But, like, the other two, they should have been more, like, assertive in the situation. And they weren't. The, the, two, the two other guys with us, they weren't. 
And so I said, you know what? We're going back to the hotel. And I turned Josie around and like Aaron and Stephanie and I think Sandy was with us. Um, yeah. They all just followed me. And then the, the two other guys were like, well, we're still going to go to the club. And I'm like, go to the club. I don't care. We're going back to the hotel. Yeah. And I mean, I led our little group back to the hotel because I'm like, this isn't the right place for us right now. Yeah. That night was so crazy. Yeah. That I mean, that night was like that. I remember that guy like, oh, it was so crazy. I remember I had to go to work really early. This was probably 10, 12 years ago. I had to go to work really early. I was waiting for the bus. And it was spring because it was bright pretty early in the morning. It was like 6 o'clock in the morning. I went to go help for inventory, but the sun was out. And I remember sitting waiting for the bus. And this was before, like, now there's, like, all these apps and, like, all this stuff. This was before, like, smartphones were really big. There was not, like, apps. There wasn't all this stuff. Mm -hmm. The buses just showed up. I mean, this was before (laughs) you could even text a number to get, like, a tentative idea of when the buses would show up. And so they just showed up when they did. Even though they were supposed to be on, like, a 15, 20-minute schedule. And I remember sitting there, and this was half a block away from my apartment. So this was an area I was very familiar with. I lived in this area for um, a little while, like a year or two at this point. And this man came over to the bus stop, which I didn't think was so weird. Obviously, it's a public place. Lots of people wait for the bus. But he started walking weird around the bus stop and, like, Mm. was just kind of, like, being, like, really a little unnerving. And I remember immediately just being on high alert. And I didn't want to be, like, so obvious that I was uncomfortable because I've seen that happen or I've done that before. Uh And they will sometimes say something to you right away about it. Like, I'm not going to hurt you or like, I'm not what I, and then they kind of become aggressive and then you're like, right. this is just strange. So I, re- I was sitting at the um, bench and I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch this guy. And I remember his profile and he like, I just remember thinking this is just like a dirty old man. This is mm-hmm. strange. And he started like, he ended up at like the stoplight leaning against it. And then I noticed he started inching closer and closer to the bench, Mm. but it wasn't like in a natural way. And all of a sudden two cars like out of nowhere, because it was so early in the morning, two cars out of nowhere, just kind of like stopped across the street. And it was this lady and a taxi and they were both kind of there. And the lady was like, you need to leave. You like started yelling at me. You need to leave. And I was like, what? And then the taxi driver rolled his window down and he was like, come get in my cab. I will drive you anywhere you need. He's like, just cross the street, hurry, like run to the car. And they both started yelling at me. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I ran across the street and I got in the cab and the guy was like, 
I will take you wherever you need to go and I won't charge you. And I was like, okay, what is going on? Like both of you guys stopped. And he was like, that guy had something that looked like a knife in his pocket, like in his hand on the opposite side. So I couldn't see it. So it was like on the opposite side of where I was at. And I was like, what? I don't really tell that story to anybody. And now my sister listens to the podcast. So she's probably going to be like, what? Why don't you tell us this happened? Because it's like, you don't want to tell people the bad stuff that happens. So I don't tell that story a lot. I think this is probably like the third time I've ever told that story. And now the world knows. And now the world knows. But my, I mean... A mutual friend of ours, Ellen, like she had a similar situation like a month before that where or like within a month before that she was in a completely different area of the city and she noticed a man was following her and a cab stopped and was like, you need to get in the car like that guy was being a creep. And he, like, drove her. So not all ca- taxi cabs are crazy. Some of them are really nice. Yeah. But I think about that sometimes where I'm like, man, that was really, I was extremely fortunate right, to have those people stop and say something and get into the cab because, like, there's so many people who just aren't observant like that and don't, mm-hmm. don't see things like that or don't say anything or... So I I was very, very fortunate with, with that happening. But I knew immediately that guy was uneasy. And I knew immediately to, like, keep my eye on him. Right. But I never in a million years would have thought that he had something that, like, could have been a sharp object that he was on him. On the like, other side, was, yeah. Because, like, the area that I was in is kind of known for some crazy people. I actually lived in a really good part of the city at this time. <laughs> it's, like, a couple blocks away. They had, like, yeah. some safe houses and stuff like that. So, it there was, like, it was an area where you kind of just saw all sorts. And so I was kind of used to getting that uneasy feeling and being like, okay, this is probably like a drug addict or, you know, like whatever. Like I, I just was thinking something not like that. And I just like that female intuition, like you just have to like, yeah, you just have to trust it. And to get away from both of us, like telling all of our crazy stories and like back to the book, like she just does this so much. And to kind of like cut to the end of it after they get out of the CIA and everything, like her and her husband, they kind of found their second calling. Yeah. Uh, They had worked with a security group and they had done some like things for some high profile people, like some security stuff for high profile people. And they ended up kind of getting pulled back into the Iraq and the middle, um, Iraq and the middle East again, because all of this stuff was going down where they started persecuting Christians and like all this different stuff. And they both felt a very strong calling that they as civilians needed to go there and try to help these, these families find sanctuary. And they had the skills to ask all the right questions and to, Help make sure we're trying to help 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 the people and make sure that the right people were gonna be safe to go to the country because like like I said she she opens the book with you know this girl going my fiance wants to come he was Muslim but now he's Christian and then they were like oh well who's he live with they he lives with you and they're like no he lives with his mom still and they're like 
his family would have disowned him and right and so they end up bringing him in and they they just catch him in his his lies you know um and and then you find out that and I didn't I didn't know this until the section of the book but she they're in Florida they're actually getting ready to go back to Iraq to to get all the people ready to go to Slovakia, like the 149 people that were um, selected by the Slovakia government. Mm -hmm. So Michelle and her husband did all the work of like vetting these people essentially. And then they gave it to the Slovakian government and they're getting ready to take these people over there, but they're in Florida, like doing all the, the planning of it. And one of their friends comes to visit and, He's like, well, do you have any media? And they're like, no. And so he gets them in contact with somebody. And they end up doing a 20, uh, ABC ends up doing a 2020 on them about mm-hmm. it. I have not watched it. But I didn't watch it either. I want to, but I didn't I want go back to. and find it and look at the, it. It's called um, 20, uh, Escaping ISIS is the section and so mm-hmm. but all I did was if, if you want to google it all I did was I googled 2020 and Michelle Assad and it came up so um, <laughs> yeah but there's lots of articles on it like there's even just an article there's the videos um they were on the today show so it's not like they weren't yeah I mean they definitely had to like they got this hookup with for the media but they also I mean they were able to use some of their previous contacts to get a hookup with the um Slovakian government like yeah they had to really dig deep with some of their contacts to yeah. even make this happen and they weren't the ones who started the project they just kind of came in and they were like we believe in what you're doing and we want to help you yeah and i mean like, there was a father for the church who was like yeah. i have people who need sanctuary yeah and he helped bring in the families that he thought needed it the most and were kind of the most dire and they even left it to him because she was worried about that she's like yeah. we have close to 400 people in all of these different families, however many number of families, it was like almost 400 people. And she's like, how are we going to pick 140 people? Yeah. And she was like, I I can't do it. And the father was like, okay, this is where I step in and I do my job. Let me figure this out. I will pick the 140 people. And how he did that, I don't even know. Because how, I mean, how do you choose that? To, it's hard. Who do you choose yeah. to, to leave and who do you choose to stay? I mean, stay. I can't pick my lunch sometimes. I ask other people what they ordered for breakfast so I know what to order. I cannot imagine <laughs> having to pick 140 people. That's really minimal of me to, like, reduce it to that. But that's, I mean, I can't do, like make menial yeah. choices like I couldn't imagine having to make such a big impact as that yeah I mean life-changing impactful choice I'm it's, I'm wondering like if part of it was 
he, you know, he was talking with these people every day. Some of it was probably like, he was like, oh, well, I think they would, they would fare better. Yeah. They would probably, he probably looked at like their adaptability. Yeah. To going to a new country. Because you were leaving, you were leaving behind Everything, everything you know yeah I'm sure he probably knew of some sort of underground like hit list he yeah. probably prayed about it a lot and probably. was like give me the people to choose yeah I mean there were so many things that I'm sure he took into account for a lot of that because he I mean in how she writes it he was pretty sure like I got this part. I yeah, he's like, don't worry. He didn't. He didn't doubt it himself at all. He was like, I got this. Here, I'll take care. This of it. is now my my turn. Yeah. And just the story of them trying to get these people to Slovakia is quite the story itself. Like, I won't get into it, but they definitely had a lot of hiccups that messed it- everything up, and then they they had to again use their contacts to get things. To actually go through. Yeah. It leaves you on the edge of your seat. Are they going to get the plane? Are they not going to get the plane? Are they going to get the flight time? Are they not getting the flight time? And the thing is, is like when I was reading that section, I was like, oh my God, this is like, I mean, and I know it was a little different, but I never knew when like my husband was exactly coming home from his deployments. Like they would give us a time frame, but it was all very kind of. I say fluid, but it's not really fluid. It's just like, well, whatever. Like, we're not going to give you a date. Or we'll give you a date. But then we're going to take that date date away. It's a little loosey-goosey. And then we're going to be like, and, and we call it Semper Gumby, which is always flexible. Mm-hmm. It's not like we, we, we don't really like it, but we, we <laughs> take it and we deal with it. But, like, reading that, I was like, I totally get it. Like, when are you... When are you leaving? When are you coming home? And like all of that, I totally understood it. Leave and do it now with his orders. Like, are you getting orders? Are you not getting orders? Are you getting promoted? Are you not getting promoted? Like, it's just all so very, you don't know what's going to happen. (laughs) It's very military times. (laughs) It's very much my life sometimes. So, uh, yeah, it was, I I was like, oh, I, I totally get the stress of this minus the like, the dangerous side of it with, you know, trying to, to get these people who are being persecuted out so that they, they were safe. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's uh, so good. So is there any dislikes? (laughs) I mean, I disliked the stuff that she had to redact, but I understood it. You dislike not knowing what you're <laughs> Yeah. I, I just want to know. I, it was I, just, honestly, I just find the whole thing very intriguing. Like, yeah. how much, because even now, like, even though she's not in the CIA anymore, mm-hmm. there's still things that she worked on that mm-hmm. are top secret that can't be said. And right. it's just so intriguing. Like that life just intrigues me. Cause there's things that I have to like for my company, there's things that I know that I'm not allowed to say or like whatever. And again, like food versus like national and world security. 
very much the same but um (laughs) totally totally the same but um like I know I know the stress that that can bring sometimes and bring somebody so it's I just I just also get like really nosy sometimes well and like on the very back of the cover I don't think you read this part but it says in breaking cover Michelle has at last been cleared to drop cover and tell her story yeah. So she had to get permission to like finally be like, "Hey, all, I'm a CIA agent." Like it just wasn't like I quit the CIA and right. Hey, I was a CIA agent. She still couldn't talk about it until she was able to to drop her cover. Um, which went into part of their decision is like how yeah. much they were, how much were they out of the CIA? Yeah. But I think when she wrote this book, like, she was still getting, when she started writing or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. not while she was doing the, um, the saving of the, the Christians, like, I think, like, she was still technically not supposed to be like, yo, I'm a CIA agent, you know? Right. Um, Which, right, that's how I read that as well. Like, it was very recent that she was like, I can talk about this. Yeah. And it was still very much like... I had to ask what I could talk about and what I yeah. couldn't. Like, they probably read it and was like, take this, or, you know, this is okay, take this out. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm guessing that that probably happened in there at, at some point, um, that they, they have somebody probably at the CIA, that's their job is to read some of these, these memoirs, because there's, I, I know there's a couple other CIA Right. Um, books that have been penned by CAA authors, so uh, authors, <laughs> agents. Uh, yeah, I yeah. I mean, I knew what you meant. I guess the people might not have known what you meant. <laughs> Hopefully, everybody knew what I meant. <laughs> Agent authors, they but if they wrote a book, they're an author, so it's true. Yeah, it is true. Did you have anything you disliked about this book, Sheila? <sighs> I don't think I really did. I mean, except for maybe bringing up like my my forgotten feelings of like your traumas, my Iraq feelings from or like our deployment feelings from like the two deployments. One was Iraq, one was Afghanistan. Obviously, this one like made me think more about Iraq than the other one, but but it, it didn't like hurt me it just I was like oh I, I had forgotten about those thoughts yeah I guess is a good way to say it like I just I had pushed them aside I haven't had to think about them and so then I was like oh those times those were hard times yeah so but I mean it's not a bad thing it's not a huge dislike it's just uncomfortable yeah which that's I, I she did her job. If she if if she made me a little uncomfortable as a artist, that's sometimes what you want to do. You want to p- make people sometimes feel uncomfortable. So right, I f- yeah, it was definitely I I felt that way too. So if that makes you feel better, thank you. <laughs> I felt that way too. Maybe not for the same reasons as you, but I did feel that way during that those times as well. We did not hit on it a whole lot. We brought it up just in one little section I did like how she incorporated her beliefs and her religion into the book yeah and didn't get um preachy with it like 
this you you should do this because of whatever it was just very personal her very personal story of yeah her beliefs her religion her struggles I find those struggles reassuring and relatable yeah and I don't like it when I hear those stories and I'm captured by them and then they get very preachy with it Mm -hmm. I'm like no like it's not your job to to preach at me right no (laughs) yeah her make a choice or whatever I just felt like she was very tactful with how she did that I would say you could probably consider this a Christian book yeah but it's not it's definitely not preachy it you know it's it's more like you know she was like I I prayed to God and then this was handed to me or um I was just doing something and all of a sudden I like heard this voice saying call somebody do this like yeah she was being guided by God and that that happens to so many people yeah um, she she was just explaining how it worked, worked for, her. for her yeah it wasn't this is like I'm the end all be all because I have this talent to get be told or I have the insight and other people don't have the insight she was just very much like this was my experience yeah. this is my belief this is how it helped me and then this is when I struggled with it this is when I was like are we doing the right thing I think Uh, and I think that was really realistic because sometimes you hear these hear these stories where they tell it to you and then you're just like is that what really happened because sometimes it just feels like you said maybe too preachy and then I think sometimes for me when it gets too preachy that's when I'm like but is that how it really was? Yeah. Because it, it doesn't always, but the majority of the time I feel like when it gets like that, it ends up coming across as fake. Yeah. And, and I did it. This was very genuine. Very her, realistic. Yeah. Her, her book is very, very genuine. Genuine. I feel like a lot of people could relate to it in the sense that, you know, they do pray to God and, you know, Things happen for certain reasons. Yeah. Um, they get a feeling. They get an ant. Yeah. Like, they get a sign or whatever. Yeah, right. I, I did like that. Any other likes or dislikes, Sheila? I don't think so. Okay. You already know my answer to this because I said this at the beginning. Sheila, would you recommend this book? I would. And I recommend that you go follow Michelle on Facebook. Yeah. She may have Twitter or something too, but I don't twit tweet. I don't twit. <laughs> I don't twit. I don't tweet. She's um, so into it, she doesn't twit. But I would. I would suggest it. I, I Kira apparently would suggest it too. Yeah, I would definitely suggest it. Um, just for a good, like it was one. I'm not necessarily a big like biography person does that make sense mm-hmm. so sometimes biographies are hard for me like the last one was good and this one's good sometimes I feel like like we kind of talked about they get preachy and like mm-hmm. not, hers this one's different like it wasn't preachy 
but there's some that are like preachy about like what they have done like kind of tooting their own horns or whatever instead of like telling their story and sometimes Mm. I think when it's not telling their story and and having a point that's why I have a hard time with some of them does that make sense yes and so but if you would like kind of like an insight on the CIA and her her life as a you know even and married to a CIA agent and the tr- like what they they went through for 10 15 years I yeah holy go read it I really enjoyed it yeah definitely I enjoyed it from beginning to end I thought it captured you right away yes and it just delivered like even in the downtimes it was interesting like how she ended up getting storyteller yeah she's a good storyteller she kept things relevant throughout the whole Uh, and she switched times and places like at the perfect time definitely all right guys go read breaking cover breaking cover michelle assad very good and michelle does only have one l Yes. So if you're looking for her and you look her up on Facebook or anything, it is just one L, not two. When we post this, we'll um, tag her Facebook page. Yes, definitely. So. Um, yeah. Great book, Sheila. Thank you. So have you picked out next month's book? Well, surprise, surprise. <gasps> surprise what? This was actually a group effort pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so we are actually, hold on just a second. Do you have yours? I can get mine. It's right here. Let me see. Okay. Up. I was like, I can get mine. I just have to reach back for it, but it's going to take me longer than you standing up. We are going to be reading Expelled by James Patterson and Emily Raymond. Yeah. And we have some exciting news about this. We haven't figured all the details out, but someone, some lucky listener will get a copy of this book. Yes. Just to to get the copy. Just to get the copy. And another exciting thing about this is it will not just be Sheila and I on this episode. (gasps) What? Andy, our fearless, trio trio person third person <laughs> our third wheel just joking <laughs> he is our third wheel we're a tricycle he, yeah we're a tricycle he's the third wheel he's not the important one so if he's not here we can still run <laughs> good thing he doesn't listen to these so he won't know that i said that we love no, him. We really do. I know. We really, really do. But he's going to be reading this book, and he will be joining us for a full episode of Potheads Who Read. So Yay. he'll be on all the episodes with us next month. So, yeah, we're excited to read this. We're excited to give some stuff away. So you'll be seeing that on Facebook and Instagram uh, once we learn all the deets about it. That's actually Andy's job is to figure out the giveaway know what's going on I don't either yeah so we're excited to read that we have Facebook and Instagram because we just said that um 
What else have you taken off your bookshelf? Oh, yeah, that too. Not a lot. Trying to figure out my life and adult and become a better human being who eats and exercises better. I've been a little busy. I So besides breaking cover, I have only read, which is when I said goodbye, which is the 10th or 9th or 10th book in the Witches When series. Uh-huh. Um, and Just Mercy. Just Mercy. Oh, yes. Which about starting that one I think in the last yeah episode. I was starting that one in the last episode so I finished those I am three quarters of the way through the next which is one book I did start light from other stars and it is not what I thought it was so I'm probably gonna have to power through the beginning part of this to finish it but I also did get through a couple more parts of war and peace oh, so I didn't know you were reading war and peace Oh, yeah. And it's, I'm not really reading it. I'm listening to it. Okay. And it's 10 parts. It's a big And book, yeah. the shortest part, I think, is like seven hours. And they range, they range between seven and 10 hours. Um, the whole book is about 62 hours long. Yeah. I'm about halfway through it. So I'm trucking through it. Um, but I haven't been listening to books, and I haven't been reading a lot of books, even though I have been home a lot more consistently, and my schedule is not as super crazy. What have you pulled from your bookshelf, Sheila? Uh, so I read Seeing Ione, or Ione, I'm not really sure. It's I-O-N-E. That one is by Jansen Curry. It's actually a high school classmate's book. Mm. So I read that. I enjoyed that. Um, And then there was, I'm about, I don't know, maybe 40% through Cloaked by Taylor Hobbs. I finished Huntress and Once Upon a River and let's see here. Interview with a Robot, and I'm currently doing The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes, and that one's my book club book for next month. Oh, nice. And now I need to start Expelled. I know. I have to start Expelled. We have to tell Andy to start Expelled. Andy! We got some reading to do. I feel like I have some reading to do because I'm already not is up on reading this year as I wanted to be. So Yeah. Well some of those I some of those are that I mentioned are audiobooks. When I've been working in the house, I was doing audiobooks because I can't read and work at the same time. Yeah. It just doesn't work when you're painting or That's so strange. I found I a couple new I found a couple new podcasts that were awesome. So instead of listening to books at work, like I do sometimes when I'm doing office work, I was actually listening to some podcasts. So murder and organ was really good. Um, One of the hosts of the last podcast on the left, him and his wife started a podcast about music and they were doing it. Their first series was on the Stooges, and it was awesome. But last podcast on the left just went exclusive with Spotify. 
for their for their whole network of shows and so they incorporated a lot of like music and stuff into their episodes um and it's called there's no dogs in space and they only have three episodes but i started listening to that and then i found another podcast called dictators and i learned all about mussolini and then i learned all about stalin and the next of their world war ii dictators is going to be hitler so i'm really excited about that yeah, so I've I've been finding podcasts. I haven't been reading. That's okay. I go through phases. I haven't listened to any of my podcasts that I normally listen to in yeah. a while. Yeah, so I do need to to I have some books that I want to listen to, so I'm excited about it. And I do want to finish War and Peace. Well, good luck with that one. Thanks. It's boring. I'll be honest. <laughs> I was gonna say that is one that I've never really had a. There's parts of it want to listen to or read. There's parts of it that are very interesting, and there's times where I'm like, I feel like this would be more interesting if I was reading it. And then there's times where I'm like, no, I think this part's just boring. But I also, I get through these phases where I, I get very diligent, where I'm like, no, I need to do this. Because there was a phase where I'm like, I read, like, a bunch of movies, or read a bunch of movies. I read a bunch of books from, like, the same era. And so I was reading some, like, Alexander Dumas with, like, Emily Bronte with, like, Charlotte Bronte. Like, all these different books. They were all from the same time period, but, mm-hmm. like different countries, different authors. And I get like, no, I just have to finish these books. I don't like war and peace just ended up being one of those. And now I'm just like being stubborn and like, I'm going to finish this. It's supposed yeah. to be like one of the greatest works, Tolstoy, like, yeah. Shen, like whatever, you know, you know, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, it's no Dr. Shivago, but <laughs> I love that. I love that movie. I haven't seen it in years and years. I love the movie. I love the music even more. I feel like the book would be interesting and probably quite boring. And maybe not (laughs) 64 hours long, but probably like 35. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's some good books that I have in my Audible account that I really want to get into. Yeah. I I just finish it, you know. All right. So now <laughs> you can email us at pothead2read.gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at pothead2read. <laughs> you paused that one time and I'm like, am I supposed to say something now? No. <laughs> you just did such an odd pause. I, I should have cued you and been like, now you talk. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I think that's everything, right? Is there anything else we need to say, Sheila? Contest is coming out. New book is coming out. Andy's coming out to join us. (laughs) He's not coming out. He's coming to join us on this podcast. Oh, my God. (sighs) He's just joining us. There's no. He's joining us on this episode, on the next episode of this part of our series. Oh my gosh, I need, I'm being silly. I need to go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so. 
Thank you for reading with us. And go crack a book open. Bye. Bye.